0: Hello, this is Feather, and you are listening to Splintercast... Uh, yeah, I guess it's still as Splintercast reads Words of Radiance. It's it's the end note. Um, so I'm a liar, basically. Uh, I said last time that, on the last episode, that I did not need to record an end note, that I would just let that stand alone. Um, that, was a, that was stupid. I've never been stupider in my life. We're no- going to pretend that I never, ever said that. Because, okay, basically, I was mopey and, like, I didn't talk about anything other than part five and, like, one part of part five in particular. So, yeah, that's stupid. And we're going to fix that. Especially because things have happened since then. Wah. Yeah, things have happened. It has been about a week since I actually recorded that last um, episode. And Wars of Radiance is out now. It is now. Um, it's March fifth when I'm recording this right now. It's been about a week since I recorded the last one. I went to the midnight release and met people, and it was cool. And I met Brandon and got to talk to Peter. And uh, I actually showed him a, a couple of the um, scenes early that were recorded, so that was fun. But I'm not going to talk about that here. I'm going to talk about the book, but. So, like, I after discussing with people and talking to Brandon about things, and finding out some new information that some of, some of which I missed, and some of which I have now been like told, I have found I have found out fun new info. Um, I do want to give like take take a moment to talk about the book as a whole, because like I said in the last one, I really just focused on one sentence from part five and somehow thought that that was going to be a sufficient end note no um i will talk about shipping but i'm gonna save that for the end so that those of you who are sick of hearing me talking about shipping can like stop afterwards so let's talk about uh info that i didn't catch the first time around i'm sure this is common knowledge now but i missed it as i'm sure you all heard that I did not catch this in my read-through, Vasher! Vasher's on Roshar! He's the hell. Like, that's been confirmed. I'm sure this is common knowledge by the time this comes out, but yeah. I just- I- that's- that's so awesome. I love Vasher. He's great. And he's training Renarin, and Adolin, and Kaladin, and all of my dreams are coming true. I'm sad that he doesn't have Nightblood anymore. I'm really sad that he... Like, what happened there? Are we ever going to find out? Is I think we decided that... I think the book Nightblood, the sequel to Warbreaker is probably going to take place on nalthus and it's probably going to take place before this because this is post warbreaker pretty sure pretty sure i've got my chronology right so maybe we'll get like a hint as to what happened and why vasher is on roshar um but yeah and after it's been like explained to you it really is kind of obvious but i'm not good at picking up foreshadowing hints and stuff but yeah, the color metaphors and he wears a rope around his waist and he's grumpy and acts like Fasher and uh there someone mentions Life Sense. He has Life Sense and senses Kaladin approaching. I missed that. I w I wanna go back and read that. Um yeah, Fasher. I just that's so cool. Fasher is awesome. Um I'm just so that, that's exciting. That it's awesome and exciting, and I love it. Um so let's talk about main characters. Um, I want to briefly touch on like some of my favorite parts of ours. Oh wait, just a sec. Another world hopper. Mraze. I heard people talking about this at the party. Um, Mraze is apparently a world hopper. Apparently there are stuff in his cool collection that's from other worlds. But I think he might be a Rosharin world hopper. Like, I think he might be Thalen. His name is supposed to be Thalen, I think. I don't know. I'll have to, I will have to pay attention to that in a reread as well. But Ray's possible world hopper. Interesting. Very interesting. What else we got? Um. So let's talk about some main characters and arcs. I'll start with Shalon because this is her book, and I'm going to avoid ship talk in these. I'm just going to focus on like the character themselves. I. I. Don't hate her. I don't. I have been persuaded. I was in the moment, at the end of the last recording, and I've had a week to kind of step back and cool off from what happened there. And I don't. I don't hate Shalon. I don't trust her near Renarin anymore. So, it, she's on probation at the moment. Um. But she's um. She had a lot of growth, this book, and I like a lot of what her growth was. I think she has, um, I mean, we can see from her backstory sections that she has a lot of hurt. She has a lot of issues that she needs to deal with, and she has not been dealing with them in healthy ways. Uh, like repressing them and pretending they didn't exist? Not healthy. Actually, I, one of my friends is kind of live blogging the end of part five in the Skype window right beside this. But we were talking and um, we were ragging on Kaladin's crush on her and talking about how the way that she deals with her issues is beautiful. And we're like, Kaladin, really? No. It's kind of deeply unhealthy. You need to no, So she's starting to. She's starting to deal with her issues. And Pattern is drawing these truths that she does not want to admit out of her. um, And Pattern, uh, that's... Their relationship kind of took a turn for the dark in the end of this book. Like, oh gosh, sorry, the ladybug just like jumped from the sky and it scared me. Fell from the sky, it was flying, sorry. Anyway, um, but yeah, Pattern, like, it's... Especially that last chapter about... I mean, now we know that he's the reason that her mother wanted to kill her. And he is what she used to kill her mother. And I mean, I think he has a line where he says something like... Someday you'll kill me and then you'll have your revenge. And I was just like, oh, dang, that's really dark. Especially after this, like super awesome trust buddies, Syl and Kaladin, always there for each other through thick and thin. We have- there's- there's- there's a dark- almost an animosity between Shallan and Pattern? I don't know if it's all the way to- like they're not enemies, they're still working together. But they- there's- there's stuff there. There's stuff. We're gonna have to watch the- the stuff. Um. So I also like her underworlding stuff, that she's kind of becoming this disguisey luck picky infiltrator type. That's a cool arc for her. And I think she does it well and her power set is well suited to it. So I hope we continue to see that side of her. Um I feel like this whole Ghost bloods thing is probably more complicated than it looks. Isn't everything though? Isn't everything? Because at first we think, oh, they're evil and I mean they did try to kill Yasna. twice. We had the capsule assassination attempt, and then the very nearly successful boat attempt, which both of those were terrifying. Um let's let's not have that happen. Um so yeah yeah. Um. But t- sorry, I kind of lost my train of thought. Oh yeah, so they're they're doing bad things, but I think there's more to them than meets the eye. Like, I, I'm I'm probably getting all of my secret societies messed up. This was feels like the secret society book. There's a lot of secret societies going around. Um, because we've got the Ghost Bloods, and I think. Amram Gavilar group is the Sons of Honor, who are maybe related to Teravangian and the followers of the Diagram. I just- there's- there's lots of stuff going on. I just- there's lots of societies. And so I feel like the Ghostbloods- if I'm remembering correctly, which I might not be, I think the Ghostbloods are trying to stop the Desolation, at least. Which the Sons of Honor are not- idiots who that is the dumbest plan by the way, let's cause the apocalypse so that we can get cool powers, like I know I'm vastly oversimplifying that, but come on, really, who thought that was a good idea? Morons, all of them, Amaram is a moron, okay, um so I think that's the gist of Shallan's personal growth arc Um, so Kaladin had uh, somewhat of a he, he did have a growth arc in this one he uh we have a lot of his like light eyes issues coming to light and a lot of his character interaction issues being resolved I think we had the two um the two crap what, what would you call them confrontations that everyone was waiting for in this book were both Kaladin's. It was Kaladin Amaram, and Kaladin's Zeth. And uh, both of those came about in interesting ways. We actually had two Zeth showdowns. Um, and then the Amaram confrontation actually really got like teased out a lot. Um, like, because we have like I was expecting sort of like, they meet, confrontation happens, one chapter, bam, go. And then we get like fallout and stuff from it. Not so much. We got Kaladin sees Amaram for the first time at the end of part one. And then Kaladin talks to Dalinar about Amaram. I think that's in part two. I'm pretty sure that's in part two. We have uh, Amaram finally realizing who Kaladin is at the end of part three and then we don't actually get the two of them talking face to face about things until part five. So that one got dragged out for a while. I was not expecting that one to be quite as spread out as it was. Um, we have Kaladin sort of facing his light eyes issues, realizing that the Colins are cool people. And they are trustworthy. And just throwing out absurdly beautiful compliments toward Renarin. If any Light Eyes could fit in in Bridge 4, he could. Dang. Like, what? Anyway. um, And sort of, the I love the, you know, he, even though Adolin kind of represents all of the things that he dislikes about the frivolous Light Eyes, he is, um, you know, they end up fine coming to like care for each other and like like each other. And Adolin spends time in prison for him, and they're so. And Dalinar trusts him, and he just like learns to trust the Colons, and it's wonderful. And he's kind of like getting over his light eyes light eyed issues, so that when we get toward the end of the book, I guess we get light-eyed Kaladin from Radiantness, which I think is still going to be difficult for him. I, I don't think his light-eyes issues are something that has gone away. I would be very surprised if it had, and somewhat upset because, no, bad writing. Um, I don't think it would be. So I think that's something that he's going to have to continue to deal with, but the relationships that he has built through this book have helped with that a lot. I think his growth toward finding the third ideal was excellent. I love the third ideal by the way, like I will protect people that I don't like if it's the right thing to do uh that's an excellent message That's an excellent lesson to learn. I love it um yeah it's 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 great um the whole Elhokar is Dalinar's Tien thing. Um, I think I, I mentioned that I was expecting um, Kaladin and Adolin to bond over the Tien thing via Renarin. Not... but I I mean, it was still great. It was still good. And they still can bond over that. That's the great thing about character relationships. You can use them more than once. Um, I hope it gets used. There's too many similarities there for it not to be used. Anyway, um... Let's, let's flip over to Adolin. Um, he was a lot more of a static character in this book, which is fine because, like, not all characters have to be dynamic. Um, I'm using, like, literary terms in tra- terms of, like, how much does this character change over the course of this novel? And Adolin does not change that much. He tends to stay the same. I think next book we're going to see a lot of growth. We saw a lot from the first um yeah we saw a lot of the, from the first one of him like learning to accept the codes and trusting that his father is right about them um so that was kind of his growth in the first one in this one i i liked where he was at the end of the first book so i'm fine with him staying static that's good you could if you're a good person and a good character you don't need to change so he's a lot more static um we do have this new uh, betrothal to Shallan, which was interesting. We do see him like kind of trying to amend his ways with the ladies um, because he's bad at girls. <laughs> Adolin, what a dork. Um, and I do think that Adolin's going to need some more growth come book three. Because things have changed again, and he is he's going to need to grow. Uh the Sadeus thing? Um I still think that was a bad idea. I I'm very satisfied that it happened, and Sadeus needed to be put down. But the way it was written and the way that Adolin immediately reacted to it with like guilt and shame and I need to hide this that's it's bad it, that's the hallmark of you have just made a bad decision and i am worried about igold i'm also a little worried that he's going to get some insecurity because suddenly all of the important people in his life are Radiants. um his captain of the bodyguards are radiant his dads are radiant his brothers are radiant his fiancees are radiant and if Yasna ever shows back up uh, his cousin will be a radiant too that's That can't be very fun. And I feel like that's maybe something he needs to grow into. Um, I don't know. I actually don't know that I really have opinions on whether I want Adolin to become a Radiant or not. I could see it going either way. I could see interesting plot developments with it going either way. So I'll just leave that up in the air. Not really gonna push or pull for either side on that one. Yeah. Um, So let's see. Who else? Dalinar, also more of a static character in this one. Uh, We also stayed kind of out of his point of view a little more. We got less Dalinar in this book. Which, again, Dalinar had an excellent growth arc in the first one. He was in a very good position for this book. And so getting... It's kind of nice almost having static characters after their dynamic growth arcs. It's nice to see you know, they've they pushed so hard in the first book to become a better person, and, like, this character development, they went through so much for it. It's nice to see them just kind of, like, being able to ride on it, and I don't know, like, sort of coast on, like, yes, you made it to the top of this characterization mountain. You get some awesomeness of just you being cool with it. You have earned your reward of being a a good character for a book. And I think, again, um, Dalinar's, uh, growth is probably going to pick up a little more um, he's going to get some more growth arc in the third one, possibly now that he's kind of the leader of the Radiance I mean, once you bond with the Stormfather, that's kind of a big deal alright, um, what else we got? okay, uh we, so we've done Shalon and Kaladin and Adolin and Dalinar I think the person that I'm going to go for next is, you guys are lucky he wasn't first. Let's talk a little bit about Renarin. kay? Here to sit down, I'm going to explain you a thing. So, just so we're clear, the kind of crap that Brandon put Renarin through in this book. Oh my goodness, my poor baby. Like, and then of course I'm like reading some threads on 17th Shard that are like, I think Renarn was like weird and shifty this book. I'm like, no, you are incorrect. He is enduring lots of things. And I am very proud of him for enduring enduring those things with such, oh god, like strength, like staying functional and being able to still do things after all he's going through. So he has a screaming shard blade that he has to carry around, and use, and train with, um, and use in the middle of that duel, like, I don't know if we have gone back and connected the dots, y'all, but that duel, all of the stuff that I was saying about Renarin, and how amazing he was being in that duel, is like, that now times 50, because also, Shardblade screaming in agony at him the whole time. Like, what? No Shardblade, no training. Very stressful situation. Has an epileptic seizure. And still, like, manages to stand his ground. Also, screaming sharp blade. Yeah. Don't- If you- Anyone ever tries to tell me that Renarin is not a strong character, you are wrong. You are so wrong. He endures so much. He also thinks he's crazy, this book. He thinks he's losing his mind because of this shard blade, and because he's seeing the future, which is explicitly taboo in, Vor- in Voronism. He thinks he's, you know, been cursed with this blasphemous gift. Um. Dang it, I meant to ask about... Um, Sorry, I was actually listening to some of the older ones and I was like, I'm gonna ask Brandon things, and then I sort of forgot to ask him some of these, some of the things. I did ask him some things, which I have fun answers for you guys, actually, that I'm going to share here. Um, I'm kind of, like, holding- I've been holding off on sharing these things elsewhere, because this is kind of, like, my present to you. I get to tell you my cool info that I got from Brandon, that only a few people who were, like, there with me, or friends on Skype know. Um, where was I? Dang it. Oh, yeah, like, blasphemous curse. Yeah. He's incredible. Oh, so I, oh, yeah. So I wanted to ask Brandon, like, how conscious was Renarin during these experiences of, like, the glyph writing? How in control was he? Um. And And how aware was he of his actions? I mean... When we think it's Dalinar the whole time, Dalinar thinks that he's like blacking out and going into a complete trance, and then writing. Well, we know it's not the case. Um, we know that it's Renarin who is recording, who is writing these things the whole time. And I'm like, is he is he awake and aware when that happens? Does he like lose control of his body, and like his hand is forced to write these numbers? I I don't know. I want to know. Darling, are you okay? Like, I don't feel like that would be something that he would choose to do willingly. Like, just because he had the vision, he would, um, like, just because he's having a vision, he wouldn't choose to write it down. That's that, That's not something that any foreign man would think, oh, I need to immediately write cryptic glyphs everywhere for it. So I feel like there was some loss of control there. So was he awake through it? I don't know. I'm... Like the scene toward the end in the high storm sounds like he was rather awake through it all. Which makes me think that, you know, he's watching Dalinar and he's watching his father think that he's doing these things and having to like keep quiet because he's afraid that if they know it's him, they'll, I, I don't know, like outcast him or like maybe execute him for being a cursed Voidbringer person. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry, I'm trying to be professional about this and just talk about the book but guys, like what Renarin goes through in this book and the fact that you don't find out most of it until the very last chapter like there's a reason I broke down in sobs because all of this kind of hit me at once in that chapter and so I'm kind of trying to explain all of these thoughts that have that hit me in that chapter when I broke down in sobs because th- these were all of the things I was thinking and realizing that Renarin had gone through. Ow. Ow. Like, baby. I'm so glad that that seems to be over for the most part, that he now realizes that he's one of the Knights Radiant, and he has cool powers that are good, and are not voidish, and... Although... I think... Oh, crap. I feel like... I hate to even say this, because I feel like I might be remembering incorrectly... But I feel like either Peter or Brandon said something about there are more reveals. There's there's more going on with Renarin than just Radiant stuff, maybe? I want a Renarin point of view. We're not off the hook yet on Renarin point of views thus far. Okay. Um, you get a pass on this book, A, because he joined Bridge Four. <laughs> like, I said that would- that was- the best thing ever but um yeah so and i realized that yes he was probably dealing with Gliss and thinking that he was insane and like there were there were things going on with renarin that we couldn't have been in his point of view without spoiling the reveal at the end but next book come on come on just a little one like he doesn't have to be a main viewpoint character i will, he should be But I will settle for just like a small scene. I would settle even for an interlude. A Renarin interlude. Please. That would be wonderful. Aw, he's just, he's so cute. He's so wonderful. and so cute. And I love him to death. And I want people to appreciate him. And people who don't appreciate Renarin get served. Because you're wrong. And everyone should appreciate Renarin. Yes. Okay, so, what else do I want to talk about with this book? This is this is a very long response, and I haven't hit shipping yet, but I don't want to miss things. And it's a long book. Like, come on, it's going to take me a little while to debrief things. Um. Alright, I, I will move into shipping discussion. I may think of other things. But for those of you who aren't interested, let's talk about the ships in this book. And I'm not just going to talk about Shaloran. I'm I'm going to talk about pretty much all of them. Um I do want to talk a little bit more clearly first about um uh what was so painful to me about the shallarn thing. See, because the thing was lots of ships got teased in this book. Like if you're not a shipper, you probably don't pick up on things. But there were a lot of ship teases. Um, And so as I'm reading this book, because I'm so aware of, like, what are the different factions and who's shipping who and, like, what are the kinds of phrases that can be interpreted as, like, ship fodder, um, I'm kind of picking up on lots of these. So, you know, I I feel like I'm watching Brandon come (laughs) to all of these different shipping camps and, like, giving out brownies and, like, hey, Shazna shippers. You can have some Shalon describing Yasna as divine and how beautiful and attractive and wonderful she is, which, yes, the, Sh- the Shazna shippers were very appreciative of those first few chapters. Less appreciative of chapter 7, but hey, she comes back. It's all good. And actually, since I'm talking about Shazna, that actually clears up most of my issues with the Shazna ship. Like, I'm probably not a Shazna shipper, but it used to be like, the ship made me really uncomfortable, mostly because um, the maturity difference between the two of them got me quite a bit, um, and the mentor-student relationship. I was like, uh, I don't want to see a relationship between a mentor-student figure. Which those have kind of changed. Those issues are, I would say, they're they're kind of gone the way that I'm seeing it. Um, and I actually did have Gavin. I I I had um here sit down and um like talk to me about Shazna. I was like, "I don't want to hate your ship. So please explain it to me." And actually it was that Z kind of sees the Shazna ship from Yasna's perspective. Z um uh identifies greatly with Yasna. Um whereas I was seeing it from Shalon's perspective because I identify a lot more. I identified a lot more with Shalon. So I was seeing it from her perspective. So we were kind of coming at it from two different angles, and hearing here explain it, um, that helped a lot. And so, yeah, the maturity issue, I, I called it an aged gap, yeah, but it was it was a maturity issue. Shallan was a lot more immature in book one. She has grown up a lot since the last time she saw Yasna. She's a much stronger, leader-capable person. Also, they're both Radiant's. Right now, Um, which kind of makes them equal. Um, Another one of my friends said that they probably won't completely lose their mentor student dynamic, but this is more like, you know, and I almost feel like it's going to be less of like a professor and an undergrad, which would be, yeah, let's not go there, and more like grad student teaching assistant sort of, like, much closer um, than we would have had before. Much closer in, like, rank and role, and there's not as much of a power dynamic there. So, yeah. My Shazna issues are kind of resolved. That's good. I don't like disliking ships. There are some ships that I dislike, but I don't like disliking ships. I want everyone to be happy, and I want to be able to appreciate, like, be able to say that, okay, that's not my cup of tea, but... I will read your thing and, and enjoy it for you, on, on like, your behalf. I will enjoy that my friends are enjoying things. So, Shazna shippers, they got their brownie. Then, of course, the Shadolin shippers. Well, then, like, you guys don't even ever- I don't even know, were there a bunch of- Did we really have a Shadolin following? Was that a ship that- had things? Well, I, I wasn't, like, very good friends with any of them, if they were, but you know what? Like, you guys cannot complain about anything. Y'all got the best ship in the house. Almost. Which, you know what? I'm semi okay with it, despite the fact that it's incompatible with one of my ships, but we'll get we'll get there eventually. You know, they got a lot of cutes. I was kind of expecting things to not work super well between them, or if they did work that it was going to take a while and they kind of just sort of hit it off and she's like, he's so handsome and I'm going to draw his face, sigh and we're going to text via span read and go out for wine and have cutes and there there were lots of cutes so yeah, the shippers get like a mountain of brownies from Brandon and then we get we get um Cat. What? How am I? How am I pronouncing this ship? Oh, just a sec. Audacity's frozen. Ugh, I thought we were past that, but we're done. Anyway, um, back. Uh. Oh yeah. Uh, how am I saying? Shaladin. Shaladin. This is probably the one ship that I actively dislike, and part of it is just because it feels cliche. Like main male lead plus main female lead, um, and there's sort of like, he has light eyes issues, and I just, no, why are we doing this? It's, I'm almost hoping, okay, so I've been talking to Lisa. About this ship, because she's, she's with me on the, like, no, it's obvious and cliche. Let's not go there. Why? It, it feels like the low-hanging fruit of the Stormlight relationships. And I'm almost hoping, like, we're getting this early in book two so that we can see, okay, no, wait, that's a bad idea. And we're not going to do that and not go for the obvious. Because if there's one thing I don't associate with Brandon, it's obvious. And I don't I don't want a love triangle between Shallan and Adolin and Kaladin, and it sort of looks like there might be one. I don't know. I don't want it to cause actual Kaladin Adolin rivalry over a girl. I like where they are right now. I'm gonna talk about them next. It just ugh, it's not a good ship. And it got a lot of teasing at the at the end there in part four, like, whoa, I, oh, I, I, uh, like let's brave the chasms together, and she's gonna give him her shard access to her shard blade, and then they're going to snuggle through the high storm and talk about their pasts with each other, and he's aware of her in more ways than one, and. Her unhealthy coping mechanisms are the most beautiful thing he's ever seen, and uh, and then they fall asleep in each other's arms, and I just- no. Why are we doing this? Unless we're going to set it up really obviously and then subvert it. That's, that's how I would be okay with this. I just- let's not. Let's not do the obvious ship here. Let's not go for that one. Um, so yeah, out of nowhere, part four comes along and Brandon gives a bunch of brownies to the uh, Shaladin shippers, which I don't know that there really were that many of them either. I, my group of people who were kind of the shipping, main shipping community, didn't really have any Chatelain, didn't really have any, um, uh... Shaladin either. So, meh. I don't want this to be a thing. I don't want it to be a thing. I want it to have been set up so that it's going to not be a thing. I actually was kind of talking about, um, <laughs> like the way that I wanted it to be. I kind of want Shalon and Kaladin to be like cool besties and like have snark offs and stuff. Like they started out really cool in the chasms with their, like, bickery, and she's calling him out on his crap um, about his logic, which is not making sense. I kind of like that dynamic. Can we not keep it like that and go platonic with it? That seems like a cooler dynamic. Especially because Kaladin and Adolin are both, like, they're bickery, but they're not really clever. Adolin doesn't do, like, witty cleverness. Whereas Shallan kind of does witty cleverness. So I kind of want, like, Shallan starts going the king's wit on him, on Kaladin, and Adolin's just sitting there like, dang, my girlfriend is just, like, totally ripping into Bridge Boy and showing him up, and that's really attractive. And Kaladin's, like, sort of holding his own against her, and they're having a snark off. And then, of course... It's, yeah, and then Kaladin goes off and complains to Renarin about the stupid oh, those those terrible, awful Lydice who are so pretentious and that Devar girl and and Renarin's just like, Yes, yes, Kaladin, I understand. And he very tactfully does not mention that he's also a LeDey's because he realizes that the fact that Kaladin does not count them amongst the Leiday's number is a very high compliment from Kaladin. Um sorry, what? I told you, I'm Kaloran now. I am going for- I'm a lot more Kaloran than I thought I was. We're not there yet, though. We're not talking about that one yet. Um, but yes, like, bickery- uh, Kaladin being, like, regular bickering with Adolin and snarky, clever bickering with Shallan and, like, the two of them bonding over bickering with Kaladin that would be a really cool thing, and that would actually probably make me more okay with the shadowland uh, dynamic if they were both like bickery best friends with Kaladin. Why don't we have that? Why't didn- Why isn't that a thing? No, instead we're getting what feels like really cliche love triangle stuff, and let's allow. Oh, no, there's there's better ways to do this. Let's do the better ways. Um. So, yeah. Catelyn and Adolin, which I think is Catelyn still. That relationship? A+. You 10 out of 10 would ship again. It's so, so stinking perfect. And I love it. It was everything I wanted out of a relationship in this book. They like, <laughs> I was, um, I don't know if I have mentioned this, but I was going back and editing one of the earlier ones, and I was talking about how Adolin and Kellen were actually being rivals and insulting each other and picking at each other, and I was like, man, I really like their bickering, but I also kind of want them to be friends, but I don't want to lose the bickering, and I didn't realize that I could have both. That they could be bickering friends, and then they did, and it was wonderful. And I just love their. That's a little bit why I'm upset about this. Um, the love triangle. Don't get in between the two of them. If they start doing like stupid, let's have a rivalry over a girl thing. No, you two, quit it. Cut it out. You're supposed to be. No, we're not. We're not going to go there because their dynamic is perfect and the best and my favorite almost my favorite um because let's move on to so yeah they got lots of they got they got lots of brownies too from Brenda. look at all like all of these ship brownies i was like dang look at all of these ship brownies and you guys kind of heard me lamenting throughout that you know where's the shaler and cutes are we gonna get any Like, I'm not expecting for them to fall madly in love and Romeo and Juliet off into the sunset and sloppy makeouts in the epilogue. Like, just maybe eye contact or a cute phrase. She almost got one. Very close. Prince Renard, would you kindly slay this rock for me? However, by that moment it was too late. Um... But, like, even the Calorin shippers. Even the Calorin shippers got massive cutes. Which has convinced me to join their ranks. Yes, I'm a Caloran shipper now. That's that's a thing. I've been putting my skills to good work- use already. Um, because, like, did you see that Bridge 4 scene? Um, by the way, like, shipping is not always, like, I want you guys to, like, make out and do, like, sexy scene. It's just, like, I love your relationship. And I want you to be super close. Um... Hey, you know what? I don't have a problem with ships going other places. Um. Anyway, um, uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm I'm watching Lisa live vlog part five over here, and she's worried about Renarin not having spectacles, and I'm amused. Sorry, Lisa, if you're listening to this, I was recording while you were live vlogging at me, but sorry. Um, I was talking about Caloran, so, um, so yeah, back to Caloran. Like, that scene- was super cute. Super cute. With the whole, if any light eyes could fit in here, he could. And Kaladin understanding what his condition means and like, how it works. And like, originally thinking that he was going to be a headache, but seeing that he's really earnest and sweet and a hard work, like, that's what I want out of a ship. I want someone to appreciate Renarin, and to think he's wonderful, and you know what kaladin did, so yeah, I'm going to join that ship because hey, people in canon appreciating Renar. Oh, she just typed, "Oh my God, Feather, I'm so sorry." Just a sec, I'm gonna pause real quick and talk to her. Okay, I'm back. Um, this is a very long recording. It's it's about forty minutes long, forty-two, and there isn't silence because I'm just talking the whole time. Um, yes, I am back. Um. But yeah, the fact that Lisa, for whom, uh Shaloran is very close to a no TP, like the ship itself, actually makes her. Yeah, she really doesn't like it. The fact that she was offering her condolences to me over it, you know, it's bad, and it was. It was bad. I'm. I'm not quite there yet. I think I was still talking about. Uh, who was I talking about? Oh, yeah, Chalarin. That was. Yeah, it was wonderful. The Chalarin scene. It was beautiful, and I have no problem pledging allegiance to a ship where Renarin is going to be appreciated and taken care of by people who really do seem to care about him. I haven't the slightest problem with that, and I'm not going to be ashamed of it, because Kaladin got it right, and Shalon got it wrong. So yeah, here we come to the end. All of these other ships have gotten their nice, wonderful, shipping, cute brownies from from Brandon, and, you know, you guys heard me. I was wondering, where's the Shalaran cutes? Are there going to be Shalaran cutes? And here we go. I'm like, oh, it's part five. The climax. They're both going to be in distress and peril. And they're going off together to do awesome adventures. And he's going to be worth, like, he's going to do awesome things and show her how valuable she he is. And she's going to be like, whoa, I never expected Renarin to be able to help out. And... Like, I was really, really excited. And I feel like, after watching everybody else in the line get brownies, Brandon comes up to me at the end, and I like, hold out my hand, Okay, I'm ready for like, just even one little cute. And I got stabbed in the face instead. And it hurt. A lot. Like, I'd said that before, but it it was painful. And not in a good way. It was a bad painful. Um, uh, you know, it, it, there's a part of me that's, like, mad at Shallan for not being who I thought she was in relation to him. You know, that's the thing about speculative ships, is, you know, I was kind of playing matchmaker here. I was looking at the two of them separately and thinking, you two would go well together. And I still do think that they could have gone well together. They may still. We'll, we'll get to that in a little bit, but... You know, so in, in a little bit I'm mad at her for not acting the way I was expecting her to um and not like being the person I needed her to be for him. But I'm also a little upset with myself, you know? I feel like you know, I feel a little bit like I went up to Renarin and told him, Hey, I have found this wonderful person for you and I think you're really going to like her and I think she's going to be really nice to you and I think this could be a good thing. And, you know, and and I feel like I led him to her and was like, here, you two meet and got really excited to see how wonderful everything was. And then she, like, kicked him in the chest and shoved him in a corner. And all of a sudden I'm, like, sitting there in horror what have I done to poor Renarin trying to put him with this person who is obviously not who I thought she was to him. And then, of course, I have to, like, rush over and clutch him protectively away from her. You know, like, you showed a cute child, a puppy that you think he's going to like, and it bites him. And then you feel bad because it's your fault that he got bit. Like, it's my fault that I shipped it wrong and that like, th- this is bad. And I felt upset with myself, and upset with Shalon. Like, you're mad at the dog for biting the child, but it's also your fault for thinking that it was a good idea in the first place, when obviously you were wrong. So yeah, Shalon is on. I I said I don't hate her anymore, and I don't. And I am not sure that I'm totally giving up on the Schalleranship. I said that before, but I was kind of in the moment. Um... And I was very upset. I'm still upset. But it, it's been a week. And people have, you know, when I, when I was talking about this, at like, the release and stuff, people were like, she was under a lot of stress. I think, actually, that's what Brandon said when I told him I was upset by this. Was He's like, she was, she, it was kind of a high-stress moment for her. And I'm like, okay, yes, I realize that. But I was like, psyched up for getting my brownies and you stabbed me. So, yeah. I'm not fully ready to abandon the ship, because I have poured so much time and effort into it. And I think that the things that I have said are still valid, you know, about she knows how to care for hurt people because of her brothers, I think that's still a good parallel, and I mean, I guess they're both Radiants now, which probably throws a little bit of a loop in the gender role stuff, since she obviously has a shard blade. And he's obviously a glyph writer, but, you know, I was kind of expecting, like, secret um, shippy stuff, which if you've read those few chapters of A Strange Mix of Both that I wrote, that's kind of, it's it's sort of a secret relationship where they're defying gender roles. But, I mean, they could maybe come to terms with, you know, she she's coming to terms with the fact that she's doing like shard blade fighting stuff and he's coming to terms with like hey as a truth watcher maybe you're going to need to write down the truth that you are seeing um so there's still there's still possibility there but Shalon is on probation you know that you don't put the child right next to the dog that just bit um them again um i did after what she did to him and the way that she treated him she's i'm not ready to like I don't want them together until she changes a little bit. I need her to... I want her to apologize. I think I told Peter this. I want Shallan to apologize to him. That's... that would be what I... Yes. I want her to say I'm sorry, Renarn, for how I treated you and not realizing that, you know, you were right about the high storms And... I'm sorry. I told people to gag you. Ugh, that line was that that line seemed uncalled for. That was just the kicking me while I was down. The gagging line that was that was a little hurtful. But yeah, um. So, um. I, I will probably still continue to hesitantly, ship, Sh- Sh- uh, shaloran. But, you know, here before it was like, wow, I want them in like all sorts of scenes together because I want them to meet and like do awesome things. And here I'm going to be like, if Shallan and Renarin show up in the same scene, I'm going to be wary. I'm going to be, you know, careful, careful, you know, watching her very closely don't hurt him. You need to prove to me, Shallan, that you are worthy of him because at the moment you're not. And I don't want to have to wash my hands of this ship. I want you to be worthy of him. I think you could be a good match for him still. But if you continue to act the way you did, you are not going to be a good match. And I don't want him near you until you can do so without being rude and thinking he's creepy and whiny. So, that's the state of the ships. This thing is almost an hour long. But Yes, this was a good book, shipping and like that's part of and and like I said, there were a lot of relationships in this book that I adored. I really kind of do like Shalon and Adeline, and if she doesn't amend her behavior, we can have her. I can I can like that ship instead. Those two can be together. Um, I lo- pretty much all of the ships aside from Shalon and Kaladin, I really liked. So. And there were there was good fodder in this book. Um But we'll just have to see. Yeah. Um it was a very, very good book. The the narrative arcs were excellent, the cosmic Reveals excellent. The like it, the artistry and the like the illustration's beautiful. But also just like the artistry of the book itself, of the story itself, was fantastic. And um Like, meeting Brandon at the release and uh, chatting with Peter for hours on end was wonderful. Um, If you guys ever get a chance to, like, go to one of the midnight releases, you totally should. I think I want to go to all of them now, because it was the greatest experience ever. Oh, which, speaking of which, I think I mentioned this at the beginning, but I have fun infos. Because, um... I had questions at the release and I got some fun answers. And I think what I'm going to do is I am not going to share these with people so much. Um, I've told there were a couple of people who were at the release who like saw me get this info. Um, and then there's like my close friends on Skype that I talked to. Um, so I'll start with the um, obvious infos. There's some of these that I'll that I'll spread around because they're not huge. Uh, Brandon pronounces gliss like gliss. Um, uh, I asked about Renard's hair for our fan artists. It's black and blonde, like Adolin's, but it is more black than Adolin's. Um, I asked about eye color, and they weren't- Team Sanderson was not sure whether they had canonized his eye color. They said they would check and, like, get back to me. We'll see. That hasn't come through yet. Um, but I think- I'm pretty sure I heard Brandon say that if they had not canonized- the eye color, that they would do so for me, which is really cool. Um, I asked about the male spren, male surgebinder thing with Renarin. Um, and I hate that I'm paraphrasing, but it was early in the night, and I didn't get to write it up until, like, hours later. If I am remembering correctly, you gotta take these things with a grain of salt. Um, Brandon seemed to be saying that... It's not necessarily, like, as super important as we were maybe reading into it originally. Um, or that I was reading into it originally. Um, I think he said something about, like, focusing on the opposite pairs first. So, what I'm thinking is that there is a difference between, like, opposite gender pairs and same gender pairs. Um, uh... So yeah, like there's a difference, but not necessarily like there's something crazy going on. If you have a same gender sprint. just like it might be a different sort of relationship. We'll have to see more. Um, come book three. Um, Renarin is the one writing the glyphs the whole time. Um, I should have gotten more info on that front, but it is him. It's not Dalinar. It's it's Renarin. Um, I asked about the golden versus silver soulcaster possible mistake we're not sure um i think peter said he would need to check that i got some details on renarin's stem toy box it is wooden it's lacquered so that it's shiny and it has a lid on top that slides it's a slidey box and it's spring-loaded to like snap closed when you release it so renarin like pulls it open and lets it go to snap close and that's awesome and yeah it's so cute i want to make one I'm going to see if I can make one. I'm not really a crafty person, but you know what? I want one. And I kind of want to make one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I want to do that. Um, Vasher was in the original Way of Kings. I remember that one. So he's been in there since, like, draft one. Way of Kings Prime. Vasher, Vasher has been a thing in there. Um, And finally, my very fun info. All of this is probably stuff I might post elsewhere. But this one is going to be the secret... For people who have stuck with me to the end, and who have listened to this hour-long response. Here you go. Here's your reward. So, talking, trying to decide what I wanted to have Brandon write in my my book, what I wanted to ask for. And I was like, you know what? I think I may just ask for another cool piece of Renarn info. Because last time I got that he had a sprint, which apparently Peter was like, didn't want. Didn't want Brandon to give that to me because he thought it was too much of a reveal. That amuses me that I got it anyway because I really like that I got that little bit of info in my Emperor's Soul book. But so this time I did. I did end up asking that again, and this time Brandon wrote in my book that in Way of Kings Prime, the the original like first draft from long ago, Renarin was the one who wrote the diagram not teravangian it was renarin and that's a cool bit of info i'm glad that it changed um i i'm a little i didn't ask like further details but i like does that mean renarin was the one who was doing the teravangian thing about let's control the world like that would be bad i I'm guessing if so, then Renarin's character has changed a lot. Because I cannot see the current Renarin doing Terevangian things. That's distressing. Um, I'm also glad that it has changed with because the the autistic savant is kind of a really cliche uh, sort of trope. And it's a little bit problematic too. So I'm glad that that has changed. Um, But I do think it's cool that like in some universe, Renarin had this like moment of crazy diagram brilliance, which is interesting. Anyway, hold up, it's freezing again. Anyway, um, so I think that's all I needed to tell you guys. Um, this is a good book. This is a very good book. I know I said I keep saying that. That that's that's how I feel like I need to end. I need to remind you guys that it's a good book. Though so if you're here, you probably already know that. Um, yeah, it was excellent. And, yeah, that's your reward for sticking with me through it all. Cool info. Which, I suppose that once this goes to air, you guys can spread that around if you want, or it can just be, like, secret cool thing for people who listen. You know, don't have to... I, I suppose we probably should tell the rest of them, but why not? They're not as cool as we are. You guys stayed with me through it all. You listen to this hour long response. Goodness, look at that. Alright. Um so yeah. Uh I am going to go ahead and I this definitely will be the last one. Um I may see about like if the other admins end up doing a reaction thing, I may try to join in on their group. But for one on one, like the Splintercast Reads thing. This is this is going to be the last one. I swear at this time, I actually mean it. Um, so, yep. With uh, since you know, it's it it feels weird doing this a week later, but yeah, go follow the Seventeenth Shard Twitter. They're cool, and oh, guys, yeah, this is this we're a good bunch. We're we're an excellent bunch. The Cosmere fandom is still the best fandom. CFSBF, yeah. I really like that. That's kind of become a thing. That CFSBF is a thing. Um It reminds me of d f t b a but yeah, I get to take credit for c f s b f that one's mine um but yeah, you're a cool bunch, all of you guys who've stayed with me to the end, even through my mopiness at the end of the last one. I'm sorry you guys had to hear that, but um yep let's let's go sign this off. I just passed the one hour mark, so. Without further ado, and for the actual final time, for real, this is Feather, signing off.